You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Even even having said that, like I've had perfect days with clients and extremely memorable days. So maybe I'll just tell a little story kind of outside of my perfect day, but this was a perfect day. And I always thought getting into guiding, I would be taking, and I do, but, uh, oh, hey, guess what, Mark, you want to guide? You're going to be taking a lot of new people fishing and you're going to be teaching a lot of new people how to fish. And what what I didn't know was that I would be taking a lot of people for their last day of fishing. And that, that hits you different. Um, when, when in this one particular day I'm thinking of is, uh, these two guys, they booked the trip. One, one guy was a doctor and, uh, the other guy was his best friend. They, they grew up together. They were probably, you know, 50, 50 in, in their fifties. Um, and the one guy, I think they were both from Vancouver area. And the doctor was like, you know, he fished, he'd like to fish, but his buddy was like hardcore fly fisherman and he had never fished the boat. Um, he was also uh, dying of uh, cancer and he probably had uh, a couple, three weeks left. Um, you know, it was, it was getting close and yeah, and the guy booked the trip and he, he, told me about the situation and said, if things, you know, get worse, we, we may not be able to go. And I said, you know what, you just let me know. And, uh, so we get on the boat and the gentleman that had cancer, it's that day I was just talking about, it was a stonefly float. It was super early, probably like four 30 on the river. And the sun is changing the sky a little, and it's like fog all across the river. And I had the Spotify playlist of fly fishing music playing. And we just pull out from the boat ramp and this guy was like, he was so full of life. I, ironic, but he was like, everything was magical to him. The like, he's like, smell the river, feel like just, he was just so heightened with all of his senses. And it was like this perspective change for me where uh, it could have just been another day on the river. And he, and we get, we pull out and he turns around and he's like, wow, the music, the, mu- the music, the the fog on the river. He's like, you could not have set a better scene for this day. And it just made me really happy to know that the experience that I was curating for this, for these two guys was, was perfect. And the river was, and the river played a part of it and it was perfect and everything was just great. And the fishing that day was great. And it was just this. I didn't want the day to end because I was like, this is, this is it. This is this guy's last fishing trip. And they had moments together on the river's edge where they were, you know, hugging each other and, and, uh, it was very emotional. Um, but it was like, it was like the last best day for for that gentleman. And that, I, I, that, that memory of that day is like, I can taste the air. I like it. The whole entire, every fish we caught, I can remember every single one down the river. Uh, it was just such a, it was such a special day. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, capturing the fly fishing life. 
featuring in-depth conversation with fly fishers from all walks of life. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop, your source for all things fly fishing. DamianAndy.com, featuring custom music by Damian Anderson. Find out more at D-A-M-I-O-N-A-N-D-Y.com. Broken Tippet Fly Company. For blog and fly fishing apparel, check out brokentippet.com. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, visit Wait For It Films on YouTube or at thewaitcreativeco.com. Bringing the biggest names in hunting, fishing, and the outdoors together in one place. The BC Outdoors Show, March 24 to 26, 2023 at the Chilliwack Heritage Park in Chilliwack, British Columbia. Fly fishing, fly tying, outdoor gear, lodges, fly shops, rods, boats, RVs, and much more. See you there at the BC Outdoors Show, March 24th to 26th in Chilliwack, BC. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euronymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the Fly Crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you are joining us, and we're going to do what we do each and every week on the show, and that's seek out somebody that's passionate about the fly fishing space, get to know their history, get to know their story, find out why. Why do you go to the water? Why do you sit at the bench tying flies? Where do you spend all that time on the river or on the lake? I think it's uh, it always brings about some great conversation, and we've got a good show for you this time around. We've got Dana Lattery on the line. Dana's out of Olds, Alberta, Canada. Uh, first cast, last pass on Instagram. He's the owner-operator of Fly Fishing Bow River Outfitters. Uh, he's an avid fly fisher, former professional hockey player, uh, climber. It seems like he's doing a lot of climbing. We can dive into that. He's got a podcast, Fly Fishing Saves Lives. Amen to that. Um, Hockey-wise, started out in Victoria, uh, went through Western Michigan, got a degree in pre-med, a minor in psychology, um, played on three different NHL team systems with the Flames, the Bruins, the Coyotes, filmed an IF4 film titled Ties Flies. And, uh, man, there's so many avenues we can go down on this. Dana, thanks so much for, for taking the time tonight. I appreciate it. Well, Mark, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, let me come on here. I know you reached out about a year ago, and some, <laughs> sometimes it takes me a little bit. But, uh, no, I, I think everything's in due time, and I'm uh, really grateful that you uh, give me an opportunity to chat tonight. Well, there's a lot we can talk about, man, and uh, I, I want to. I love talking to fellow podcasters too, because I'm sure we have a lot in common on, on what's going on, trying to find content and and find people to chat with. Um, I I always start at the beginning, and and for me, that this show is fly fishing focused. We'll get to the hockey, we'll get to what you're doing now and uh, your story. But first, I always like to start. Where did 
fly fishing first show up in your life, Dana? So if you look back, how did it all start for you? Yeah, so fly fishing is uh, something kind of came later on. Uh, I was uh, big. Hunting was my thing. Uh, I know uh, my dad was a big sheep hunter and kind of uh, his transition into the hunting were kind of like his transition was my beginning and he kind of got out of uh, hunting deer. He'd, he'd done it all and he decided he wanted to, to take on uh, sheep hunting. So that was kind of my beginning of hunting, which was very painful. And uh, yeah, it was not something that I think every kid should start doing because oftentimes um, you, well, almost every time you come home with nothing. And I know that some of our late summer, uh, sheep hunts out there, we were, you know, you know, we we're, we'd, we'd time to fart around on the rivers and stuff. And, uh, one of my dad's buddies was, you know, he loved fishing and, you know, I'd watch him do it and stuff. And I never really, uh, took to it probably more so just very consumed with hockey um and then it kind of came later on in life when i was having this conundrum of not enjoying golf as much as uh probably a lot of my other hockey buddies <laughs> um and then i had some other like non-hockey friends who were pretty uh heavy into fly fishing and uh they said you you know you gotta you gotta give this more of a go in your life and i did and i didn't and i you know the bow is a bad, also a bad place to start fly fishing because it's uh, it's a very difficult river, and so I spent a lot of time uh, on the edge of the river, not catching and tangling, and just very frustrated. Um, and so I remember my one buddy; he was just he would come to work every day, and and uh, I'd see him, and he was just so excited about fishing, and he never caught a fish. I never saw a fish picture, and I'm like. How is this so exciting? He's like, oh man, you gotta, you gotta come with us. Like, he's talking about these bugs and these caddis and all this stuff. And um, he's like, we just sit there all night, and they would literally stay there till dark and just trying to catch a fish. And that 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 moment for me was, I finally went out with them, and just just, I mean, I never caught a fish in that moment, but I know that that for me kind of changed everything when I saw the activity of the fish. Mm. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, back to hockey, back to moving away, um, just kind of the way hockey goes. And then I would dabble with it in the summers and stuff. And it was really kind of near the end of my career that I just, you know, pretty heavily jumped into it. Um, and it was a short time after that I was like introduced into like rowing drift boats and getting into guiding and kind of like, it all kind of ramped up really quick for me. And, uh, it's something I do find with my personality that if I like to get into something, I like to get into all of it and not just like dabble in it. So yeah. that, that's kind of my untraditional fly fishing journey. There's no half ass in you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 all, it's, it's a problem. Like, I mean, I, I, I thank the Lord every day that in my addictive personality, it hasn't uh, taken me in a, in a bad place but uh i yeah. mean yeah but you know financially funny? sometimes what you <laughs> yeah let's, let's not go there but you know what's funny yeah. is what you're talking about i find is fairly common with people i chat with in the fly fishing space just very 
you know, you call it addictive personality. Some might just call it passionate. Some, you know, there's different ways to look at it, but I do think, yeah, you know, if you're going to spend the time to learn, it's a lifelong endeavor. It's not something you're going to figure out in a week. No. And that's, that's what I always tell people that, uh, you know, they want to come on a guided trip and they're not sure and they're new and they've never done it. And they're like, how much, you know, like, they kind of want to be like, well, you're the professional. I'm like, no, no, there's no professionals in this, in this, <laughs> like I'll, I'll never learn to fly fish. Like I'm learning to fly fish, but I'll never actually learn to fly fish because like you just said, it is literally a lifelong endeavor, but that's why it's so fascinating because it's like, yeah. you can never win. You can never hit the pinnacle and you just keep learning. Yeah. I think too, when you throw nature at it, there's always so many variables that we can't control. You know, one day the fish aren't biting and we don't always know why, right? The weather changes on. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, it's, it's not like shooting fish in a barrel and especially you're fishing the bow a lot. So that's a river that sees a lot of pressure. Those fish get smart, mm. right? And it's like. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So if you had to cite some influences on your journey like is there some fellow guides on the bow is there some people that you kind of hung out with and kind of mentored with who would you cite as influences dana yeah like i had uh i i sometimes like you know sometimes we say um saying nothing or doing nothing is saying a lot or you know what i mean like kind of that catchphrase like yeah. Um, if you do nothing, you're actually doing a, a lot. And I think a lot of times uh, it's a, the bow is an interesting place and people don't want to freely give up um, a mentorship. People don't freely want to give up help. And I just really kept to myself and like, you know, I and I guess coming from hockey, um, I had to earn my stripes and I you know, I came to a new team or I was a rookie or whatever. And I just, I had to go, uh, figure it out. And I just wasn't able to like jump in there and be like, Hey guys, I'm here and I want all of your knowledge. So I, I know when I first got started, uh, the outfitter I began with, he was, um, one of his guides actually spent a lot of time, you know, helping me out and stuff. But I feel at a, at a little bit, uh, I got, I got annoying for them was like, um, you know, like figure it out on your own. It was, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't long ago, um, about 12 years ago and it was just 12, 13 years ago. And the idea or the premise was like, at that time, you got to just figure it out. So, uh, as far as like a mentor or somebody who took me under their wing, um, you know, there, there was a couple people along the way that I just felt, uh, a season, a reason and, there was some help, but it just kind of came with strings attached and it came with, uh, hmm. yeah, but I, I know now, um, you know, Quinn styles, he's guides, he's trout farmer. Um, yeah, he's been on the river forever and, you know, we've kind of become friends, really good friends for the past four or five years. And it's like, um, yeah, I, I would, I look to him a lot for mentorship on the river. Um, I think we share a bit of a mentorship with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that m my guides, um, I look to them for mentorship as I'm sure they look to me for mentorship and just kind of creating that community of people that we can trust 
um, it's helping all of us become, you know, better on the river, better people on the river. Um, I don't really know if I have like one person that I'm like, that's, that's the, there, there, to sum it up, there's a lot of people that I, I learned what not to do from, I guess. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what makes us better at everything, right? You take, you take the best and you leave the rest, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, I'm going to take some time to get to know you on and off the water, but I'd like uh, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your personal history, because I think it's quite a story. And, um, you know, from professional hockey player to, you know, um, having to step away from the game through in going through, you know, Western Michigan university playing, you know, professionally and, uh, you know, making your, making your living that way. And then, and then having to do a three sixty. um, Walk us through that. Where did you start playing your junior hockey? Yeah, so um, when I was 15, I moved out to Victoria, and I played junior hockey there when they were called the Victoria Salsa. I believe Taco Time uh, purchased uh, the franchise and uh, named it the Salsa. So yeah, it was it was fun. I was there for a year, and then I came back. Uh, I got really homesick. It's hard. Uh, I know a lot more kids are doing it nowadays. I think with the connectivity of social media, phones, FaceTime, uh, it's, it might be a little easier, but I know at that time I just I wasn't doing well away from home. So I wanted to come back and I wanted to play closer to home. Um, and so I remember calling around to every junior hockey team within two hours of Calgary and nobody really wanted to give me a chance or try out or whatever. And finally uh, I got an opportunity in olds, what, you know, where I live now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I just asked for a tryout and I came out and uh, fortunately made the team that year uh, still was young and an underage. And then I, yeah, I just had a, good fun career in olds and i spent four years here and um it's just yeah it was just a really really good time i got i gotta ask you dana i looked at your stats in olds and uh something really jumped at me uh i think it was your last year there 48 games 69 points and 224 penalty minutes that's like that's that's a lot that's a lot for 48 games that's a lot of lot of a lot of points too or was it 69 goals i can't remember but, it was, uh, yeah, 64, 64 goals. Um, in, yeah. In 48 you, games. That's not, <laughs> that's not nothing. No, it was good. Uh, um, yeah, I, it's interesting. I don't often, well, I, a lot of people now in my life don't know me as a hockey player, so I don't, right. Don't talk about it a lot. Um, not, not in a bad way. I just, it's just that is, uh, don't know how to answer your question. It was it was fun. We had a good team. Yeah. Uh, I was very blessed with. I had a really good season. Um. Yeah. And I and I know I know I worked hard for it. I know I had a bit of a life uh, epiphany before my final year of junior, where I was feeling sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. Friends were getting scholarships. I wasn't. I was. You know. And I and I I did well before that, but I was just like I just really felt sorry for myself and hmm. I remember I got a job in olds and I was making five bucks an hour uh helping out in a kitchen at a at a Chinese restaurant and uh Terry Kwan the owner 
I just came, I was just complaining and cause I was feeling sorry for myself all, you know, all spring. And he's like, man, it just, if you would get over yourself, like you're just such a pity party and no, oh, look at me. Why can't I get a scholarship? And he's like, you, nobody's coming to save you. It's up to you. You got to figure it out. And I remember just had this like moment of, it's a good point. Like I can complain and I can be 50 and I can complain and think back to the days when I didn't get a chance because nobody gave me an opportunity. Or I can say to myself, well, it's time to, you know, really commit to the game and really get in shape. Um, and I just had a, a 180 turn and I just, you know, I was rewarded with a really good season on the ice and I was rewarded with a scholarship. Uh, it was just, it was a really cool moment in my life uh, as that 19 year old year. I love those tipping points, you know, like the, when you look back in the moment, you probably don't realize it, but when you look back and you go, oh, okay, that's where things kind of started to make sense. I love that. Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, so then yeah. you ended up what, at Western Michigan after that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's pretty cool for Canadian kids, you know, like you have a couple options for junior, you can go major junior or stay tier two in hopes to get in a scholarship. And, um, another cool lesson is, uh, major juniors, very, um, it's, it's exciting right now and you get lots of fans and you get all of this stardom, uh, right now, or you can kind of hold out and try to get uh, a scholarship, which is kind of that reward that comes a little later. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to do is get a scholarship and go down there. And I remember, uh, when I went down to visit Western Michigan and just seeing like the atmosphere of college sports and the atmosphere of, you know, American college. And I was like, this has got to be the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. And, you know, to get a, you know, huge, huge blessing to spend four years there. Um, yeah, it just was, that was, that really shaped me as a person. And, uh, yeah, just very fortunate to be able to spend time down there going to school and playing hockey. So next in your hockey career, I mean, were, were you undrafted and had to do it the hard way? Were you drafted and, and kind of your rights with a, an NHL club? How did you end up in the American Hockey League? Yeah, so interesting. Another another one of those moments in life. Um so I was undrafted and went went to free agency. Um, my third year in college, I was doing very well and talking to a lot of NHL teams. A lot of you know teams are trying to get me to leave school early, and I I didn't want to. I wanted to finish school. I was it was very important to me. It's something that I wanted was an education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I stayed into my my senior year and. Um, you know, right near the end of the senior year, the infamous lockout was looming and everybody was like putting away their pens and nobody was signing people. And it was very, one of those moments where I'm like, wow, here's another pity party. Like, why does this lockout have to happen on my senior year? Um, and, and it just, it was just like a freak accident, right? Like it's just nothing you can do about it. You're coming out in the free agency and you're, ready to sign and you're talking to all these teams that you talked to the year before. And they're just like, we don't even know if there's going to be an NHL after this year. Like they, they, 
Yeah. The lockout was so serious that they thought the NHL was going to fold. Like the whole league was going to be done. So I went to the flames camp that spring and it was, uh, you know, I had a really good time there and I, you know, Daryl Sutter was coaching and, uh, the flames farm team was in Vegas and the coach in Vegas is, uh, Glenn Gullitson, who's now assistant coach in Edmonton. Um, he was at the camp and he watched me and he came up and was like, Hey man, I, if things don't work out, you know, at this level or at the lockout or whatever, he's like, I, I'd love to have an opportunity to bring you into Vegas. And, you know, um, you know, and in, in hindsight, that's, I went to Vegas by far the best coach I ever played for, uh, was him. But then I remember talking to my agent and I was like, you know, what's going on here? And he's like, you know what, dude, you got to just figure it out on your own. Like, yeah, he, so he basically bailed on me and he's like, you won't play in the American league this year because all the NHL guys are going to go down and it's just not going to happen. So you're going to be down on the East coast. And I was like, you know, that fire in my belly was like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. So it kind of had to take, you know, the longer way, Mm -hmm. uh, started off in the East coast. And then, uh, you know, Gullitson, who was my coach there, is like, you, you're not staying here. Like, you need to get up in the American League. So he called around and made some phone calls. And, uh, well, at the time, it was a faxes. Fax was <laughs> a big thing. Yeah. So he, he sent out some faxes. And, uh, yeah, then it was gone. I went up in the American League and I finished the year there. And um, so it was a really long way around. And, um, mm. but, yeah, just, just, but those are the things that, either forge you or melt you. And yeah. I feel very blessed that I took those opportunities to, to forge me in my care, you know, like your character, your personality, things that in your future life, you're going to thank yourself for that. You, that you battled that. Yeah, no, for sure. And it seems to me like maybe you don't do too many things the easy way, <laughs> but that I think yeah. that's, that's character building in my mind. The harder you have to work for it, the more you're going to appreciate it. Think, I really believe that in, in any, any professional sport or any, when anyone's at any good, super good at a career young, it's like basically that, you know, the, this, the waters open up and it's like, you can, you can do whatever you want to do, but if you don't have the right attitude, it doesn't mean crap. Right. It's like, yeah, I always. Yeah, I just have more respect is. for people that, that get there the hard way. I don't know why. You know something that wasn't lost on well, me. Me too. Is you'll you'll laugh at this, but okay. So you started with Victoria, right? Which I know was a salsa, but it's now the Grizzlies. You played yeah, for a yeah, lot of yeah. teams named after bears, man. It's the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies. A lot of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies they're all Grizzlies. The, the yeah. Bruins. Utah it, Grizzlies. Yeah. The I Bruins. Yeah. It seemed a bit odd to me. So. The, I never thought of I never thought of it like that, but it's true. Well, and and the Victoria Salsa is now the Victoria Grizzlies, so it's all you know. Yeah, I know. Things are things are lining same, up. Yeah, it's all about the bear with you. Hmm. The bear, love the it. Bear. Well, that that's that was my nickname in hockey was bear. Is that right? So maybe that's yeah. So maybe that's crazy. Maybe it's all coming true. My epiphany is now. I love it. Uh, one Broncos in there though, four years with the Broncos in Western Michigan. Yeah. So then, okay. So I know you had, and I hate bringing up bad days, but obviously you had a pretty, um, season changing career changing day in Oh five. Um, walk us through that and, and kind of what came next for you after hockey. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, tell you to not do anything outside of playing hockey when you're a hockey player and you're going to risk your 
your career and I yeah did I just was living life and uh blew up my knee and uh it happened as wakeboarding and just yeah not just living life I guess and I remember when it happened and I it was like everything just stopped and I was like, this is not good. And, you know, I, tr- I tried to pretend it didn't happen for a few days. and I literally couldn't walk, but I was like, Oh no, it's fine. Like this is, this isn't happening. And, and went into the doctor and it was, then that journey began and it was two years of getting surgery and rehab and surgery. And it just comes to a point where you're just, nothing anymore because you've been out of it for a couple of years and uh you know i was and i never made my name to uh be afforded that absence and okay yeah i just kind of had uh you know i probably went back to pouting and uh hmm. that was that was a tough that was tough that you know when you talk about um a depressive time of your life and everything that you knew everything you worked towards every everything you wanted from you know being three years old five years old playing mini sticks in your basement was like this is my journey and i'm gonna get there and i you know pretty determined person and i feel i was so close um you know having no nhl that year and getting to play in the american league and it was like it was it was so close and then all you know, this happened and I just couldn't really pick myself out of bed or off the couch. And hmm. big thing is you ask yourself, why? Like, why is, why me? Um, but that's, that's probably when I was like, started to be like 150% immersed in, in the river. And I just couldn't leave it because it just somehow you know, think of it how you will, but the spiritual nature of a river was just, I would go there and just nothing would matter. And I would feel, I would feel normal. I would feel like I was healing and I would feel like there was a purpose. And I just knew that I needed to be in the river more Mm -hmm. and, you know, potentially that becomes uh, a job guiding because it's like, I just need to spend time in this place because it's, it's where I feel, it's where I feel, right? And when I leave here and I don't do this, I I become numb to to to, to the world because I'm bitter. I'm I'm mad. I'm I am confused as to why this thing I loved and was a good career got taken from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was that was the 180, a big change in in a lot of things. I find it interesting that you chose to make a career out of it though because you know i'm in that boat that's why i go to the water but you know not everybody that has those same feelings wants to turn it into a job um Mm -hmm. is is it still you know that way for you when you're taking clients out dana like is it still kind of like this is this is where i need to be yeah because i i don't think of it as a job like it's interesting when you when we say, uh, I mean, it's a job, you go to work, um, you collect a paycheck and, but I've, I've, I've never really actually had a real job. Um, so I don't, so I, I guided waterfowl hunting and turning that into a job, it ruined it for me. Like I, 
have been getting back into it probably the past three or four years, but that straight up uh, ruined my love for waterfowl hunting and Ooh. but fishing. It just literally fires it. Like it just knowing that I get to go spend, you know, whatever a full guide season, 80 to 120 days in a river all summer. And then, and then I get to go uh, justify a whole bunch of days preseason because I, you know, I got to collect river data and uh, <laughs> data. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I think of what life would be if a job was something else and then fishing was, I don't know. I, it, but yeah, I know to answer the question, it, it's done the opposite. It just, yeah. you know, I, I truly love, love, love being around people. I feed off their energy. Mm -hmm. I love taking people on the road. I just, I do. I, and, and like you, you can't become a guide because you love fishing because it does, it's, you don't fish, right? Like there, yeah. there's so much more to guiding than just the love of fishing. Yeah. That's a good um, point. Yeah, actually. I know. I, I think yeah. too, there's a lot of people that think they want to be guides and then they realize that they're not really fishing. It's more about the relationships with the people in the boat and, you know, being able to adjust to that client, like being able to, I always think the best guides that I'm familiar with are the ones that can hang out with the lawyer the same way they can hang out with the construction worker. You know what I mean? Every single person from whatever walk of life that gets in that drift boat, you kind of need to meet them where they're at. Yeah. That's, I mean, it couldn't be said more perfectly. And, uh, I, often write about this where it's like people ask me all the time um they'll get on the boat and they'll be like oh man who's like the coolest person you've had on your boat who's the most famous person who's the richest person you've had on your boat and it's like you know i can entertain those stories but at the end of the day like that you you're in my boat you're the most important person i've had in my boat yeah um because because it, like you said it's it's being able to meet people where they're at where um it's just the diversity of of people you spend time with be just you know in our company we say love people catch fish because it's literally what you have to do mm. and it's in that order you can't say catch fish love people it's you love your people and then you go try to catch fish because you alluded to it earlier on here it's like the environment we don't control the fish aren't eating the fish are being stubborn it's hot it's sunny it's whatever yeah we can't control that stuff, but we can control who we are in the boat. We can control how we treat our people. And if you don't enjoy or love your people, then you're, you won't stick around. Um, and I watch it. I watch people come in. I, I say the longevity of a guide is about three years. Oh. Um, because the first year is like really fun and it's like, go, oh, bro, I'm a guide. The second year is kind of the honeymoon phase where it starts to get a little serious and uh, you're getting calls the night before saying, hey, you know, Mark, I got a trip for you tomorrow. Are you ready to go? And you're like, oh, I'm not real. It's like, no, I need you to go. And then the pressure starts to surmount. And then the third year is is the it's real. It's it's like you got to go. You got to perform. You got to you got to mm. go in all conditions. You got to figure it out. The fish are stubborn. You got to figure it out. You got to. Yeah, you know, like spend eight hours with people with no fish. That's a, that's a long eight hours. I've I've been there, and um, and then and then people just they're done. Like, oh man, it's not what I thought it was. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Well put. I uh, 
I mean, I, I gotta admit, Dana, I've thought about it. What if I did that? But I know, I know for me, it would be like you're duck hunting. It would be like, nah, I, I need it. I need it to escape and not have to work and not have to keep somebody else happy. It's just kind of like just focus on the fish and kind of shut the brain off, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's fascinating to me. I think, I think fly fishing does so much. Well, I mean, you, you must agree. <laughs> the name of your podcast is Fly Fishing Saves Lives. What made you start? Mm-hmm. What made you start that? And 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 walk us through that a little bit, because I I love talking to people with podcasts, because uh, I'm sure yeah. uh, we have lots of stories we can share here. But what 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 made you start that journey? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like the you know, kind of when we were chatting before we press record, it's like your your purpose for doing this podcast is, um my opinion it's organic it's authentic it's because you want to hear people's stories you you just you you're generally generally doing it for people to be able to share stories and again that's like the guiding part if you're authentic and you're organic and you're doing it because you love people then the experience is is fantastic and so in me wanting to do fly fishing saves lives i spent so much time on my boat over the years um, it, it's like to think of what a, a, a real fly fishing guide gets to do is you get to sit there and hear people like, you know, you're like, sit on my big floating couch and tell me your life story. <laughs> and I love that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And it's like, um, I did this speech a couple months ago at this, uh, mental health thing. And I was telling people that I'm like, it's, it's really cool that I get to be a part of people's therapy and they sit there and they're just, you know, there's, there's, there's so many stories like this one I'm about to tell where it's like, people don't pick up the rod. They just sit there and I'm like, Hey man, you're going to fish. They're like, no, right now I'm, you know, is, is it cool if I just sit for a bit? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's your day. <laughs> You know, it's whatever we, whatever you want to do today, I will do my best to mitigate that. And they'll sit there for two hours and they'll just listen to the birds and they're, they're, they're trying to shut themselves off of work mode or life mode. I remember I had this one guy just, we literally sat in the middle of the day somewhere in the river and his, he just had a real tough year and you know his wife leaving and just he had done a bunch of dumb things and and he's just sitting there bawling in my boat and uh you know two grown adults um kind of holding each other in the middle of the river in a drift boat and he's just broke down and it's like you know and i'm giving him a hug and it's like and then he just you know he kind of recovers from that and he said to me this like fly fishing has saved my life and if if it wasn't for this, I would be dead. Like I would commit suicide. I would be dead. Okay. And I and it and it kind of like was like a big moment for me hearing his story. He shared his stories, very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then as as stories kept going, people would say that to me. They're like, "You you you know, fly fishing saved my life." And and I was like, "What if?" I just held space in a podcast for people to share their story. And that's what spurred fly fishing saves lives. And now, you know, like we chatted before, it's, it's extremely personal. Um, 
people open up, it's very vulnerable and it's, it's not easy for people to jump on that and open themselves up. Um, a lot of people have signed up to do it and then they've pulled out, which I, I totally understand. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a place for people just to share their story and as they do, and it gets very personal and it, um, yeah, it's, it's very personal. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards people reach back out and they're like, man, that just like, because they get to go back and listen to it. Right. So there's, there's therapy in that where they get to go back and listen to their story Mm -hmm. And there's healing in that for them. And it's, you know, they're like, man, I just, I've listened to, that, to my podcast like 50 times and I just feel like I can move on now. Like I can, that story or that trauma or whatever, you know, we shared, I'm, I'm healing from it. So have you always been, yeah, if it's, always been a good listener? Um, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> like, I guess you can ask my mom. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, to I me, mean, that's something you you learn. It's not, I don't think you're usually born with that. And the older we get, I think you need that space to kind of hear other people's stories. That That's why I do this show, because is to get your story or whoever I'm talking yeah. to out there. But for me, it's easier to fill space just listening. It's like, you know, we can go down rabbit holes and stuff, but... um you you said something that kind of caught me on a, on a it was another podcast. You said vulnerability is where growth happens. I thought that was a pretty yeah. It was a pretty good quote. Sounds like somebody's been through the ringer a few times to realize that. Yeah, and I and I don't ever think of myself. I know you know people have been through uh, some stuff that you know nobody wishes upon their worst enemy. Um, I think it's just a an awareness that uh, yeah I it's just the way I want to live and I know that there's uh, a need for men who uh, aren't able to share their feelings or there's like mm -hmm. um, you know it's not cool if you're I, I just I just believe in 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 a strong man is a vulnerable man and I know uh, with raising my kids and a 14 year old daughter and a 16 year old boy it's like yeah it's just it's just it's what I want them to be in this world. Cause there's, there's power in that. And, um, if we hide from all of our, our troubles or, you know, we we're unable to be vulnerable cause we've we're callous and we put up a shield towards letting people in. Then yeah, I don't know. You just, it's just so free to be open. Yep. And, uh, I get that. And then that's I, that I mean, sharing thing. Someone's more likely to share with you if you share with them. So if you're, do you know what I mean? It's like if you have oh, that wall, then you're gonna you're gonna mirror that wall back, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And we we run a, a guide school, and it's 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 such a like forget the guide school title of it. Um, it's just so fun because we get a group of guys in there, and there's you know been girls that have taken it too. But the space that I tell everybody before they come is like you check your ego at the door. And this is like a wide open, vulnerable space. And I remember our, our, our one last year in the spring, um, there's eight guys and like four or five instructors. And we just sat here for probably six hours and we just went around and people just shared their story and people were crying and people were, and it was just, it was beautiful because in, in that, okay, there's a lot of trust that was gained between everybody. And now as we go forward for the next five days, 
we can grow and we can learn and we can actually get the most out of our time together. Um, and it just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's my, it's what I think is where it's at. Yeah. I like it. I want to take some time to get to know you, you know, off the water. Are you ready for a few questions to kind of get to know your day to day a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, are you a big music guy? So, well, actually, I know you are because I, I watch, I watch, I yeah. watch your Instagram account. If you haven't checked, check out First Cast, Last Pass, Dana Lattery. Uh, got some good stuff on there, man. It's very motivating. Keep up the good work there. But if you're headed, I appreciate it. The reason I'm asking you about the music, Dana, is when you're headed to the water, what's playing in the truck on the stereo on on the drive to the bow? Yeah, so uh, it's a great question. Um, I love music. I think music is uh, music is like a you know cliche, but it's a soundtrack of life. And I often feel like I, there's there's time for quiet, but uh, I really have an eclectic, random style of music. I don't think there's you know I'm I'm not probably hardcore like death metal, and I'm probably not hardcore. Uh, like rap, like I'm talking hardcore, but um, truly I do love like kind of acoustic indie. I love country. I, um, I'm a sucker for like dance and BPM. You know, I can roll some oldies and classic. Um, mm-hmm. I there's a there's a pod or a, a playlist on Spotify called I think it's just called Fly Fishing Music and. Like there's I didn't make it, but that's like my favorite playlist that uh it's just and and to be honest, and some people are so against this, but it is what it is, is I have a speaker on my boat and I have music playing at a very low volume and it's that fly fishing uh playlist and it's just it's it's a lot of indie acoustic, like just kind of mood setting um for the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always, I was always told no music on the boat. That's very bad. That's very, you don't do that. And then I started realizing that there's a lot of things that people tell you that you can or can't do. And I don't really know, you know, who wrote the rule book. Um, <laughs> but, but there seems to be one out there. And then what I said to myself was, you know, who actually writes the rule book is my clients. And so I started, I, I asked Hey, you, do you mind if we play a little music today? Um, I'm cool if you say no. I'm cool if you say yes. And I can tell you that 99.999% of clients absolutely love the music because cause yeah. I'm not cranking out like death metal and, right. and the music isn't like, you know, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But it's that, that look it up, Spotify of fly fishing music. Yeah, I'll check it and out. And it's just, got a really cool vibe to it and uh yeah it just kind of sets a pace and a cadence to the day and i just yeah i love music i i like that because you know and i've i i grew up the same way it's like there's there's no music out there it's just quiet and listen to the loons and all that good stuff and i get that like if i'm around a bunch of people i'm not going to crank some tunes but i'm not going to lie me and my buddy Steve, we always have we always have music when it's just us out there, and it depends on the mood you're in. And I swear those fish bite more when it's playing, and it's it's not yeah, it's I not great. It's true, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I think it puts you in a good headspace too, depending on where you're at. But uh, I love it. 
let's talk patterns. Um, you know, without okay. give, giving away too many secrets, what's a go-to pattern that you reach for more often than not on the on the bow? Um, it's interesting because I don't think flies are the pattern is the secret. I think it's people aren't just to kind of throw out a bow river secret, but people aren't fishing the right water. Um, wow. So you can tell somebody your five favorite flies and they can go out there and not catch any fish, but it's understanding the fish move. Um, and that's, that's a really golden nugget for the bow. Um, so leeches, uh, love, I love leeches, uh, as love it or hate it. Worms, chenille worms are really popular on the bow. Uh, if you're, if you're nymphing, even, even if you're just hopper dropper, uh, a little micro leech or a little Reese's pieces. Hmm. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it, it almost is a tough question because it's like, it's so seasonal. So yeah, like, yeah, fair. you know, what's your, what's your favorite hopper pattern? Well, um, what's your favorite nymph? Like in, in bluing time, like a BWO killer under, under like a hopper. Um, just love it. A caddis pupa, probably a super underrated underfished fly on the bow. Mm. Um, what about stream, yeah, streamers? Like for, are, you, are you fishing a lot of streamers on there? Yeah. Um, an, another, you know, golden nugget for the Bow Rivers. I, I just think people overthink streamer fishing and and patterns. And if if I fished something other than a Crelix minnow in the last five years, I can't tell you what it was. <laughs> I think we found, I think we found the pattern. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I, but again, it's like, you know, or, or like a bow over bugger or, or, or a woolly bugger. And people get so caught up in the new trends of new or, or, or I see people like they tie uh, acrylics minnow and they put rubber legs on it. And they're like, this is Carl's creel, like whatever. It's like, dude, you know, like just, like a Royal wolf or uh, like some classic fly patterns, go back to those. And all of a sudden you're having one heck of a day on the river. Uh, yeah. But we just get so far away in this whole idea of, you know, new patterns and, you know, like, but yeah, just, it's it just got to know where to fish from is, pro is probably the, mm -hmm. the biggest key. Where do you go to talk fly fishing? I mean, it is kind of your everyday, especially in the season, you know, in the boat, and I'm sure you get your fair fill. But if you're not on the water, like, is there a fly shop that you just kind of like to hang at, or is there a, a watering hole around Calgary where you kind of get your fix when you're not fishing? The real answer is no. Um, the soft answer is maybe. Um, you know, like, there's, we got a fly shop in Olds now and it's growing and it's super awesome to have, you know, that here in town. Um, definitely can spend some time down there. Um, fly, fly shops are interesting to me because I feel like it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a place where a lot of uh, peacocks come out to play. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, and it's it's not a knock on fly shops. It's just an interesting it's an interesting environment where people think they have to posture to be accepted. Mm -hmm. 
and um i i just don't i just don't enjoy that game and i don't yeah um but like you know like you know that and it really isn't a is, isn't casting shade on fly shops it's it's more just like the industry and the way people think that you get a bunch of fly fishermen together and everybody's got a kind of oh i'm good and i'm better and it's like and I don't care. Like, I really don't care. And I find that a lot with clients at the start of the day is they're trying to like, you know, I'm really good. And I don't know. It's like, well, we're going to find out in five minutes, like <laughs> how good you are. Yeah. But it, but it actually doesn't matter. Like, yeah. let's just be what we are. Cause I mean, you can't, you can BS me with words, but once you get the rod <laughs> in your hand, yeah. we're, you know, but, yeah. but the, you know, the point of saying that is cause I don't care. I just would rather sit with, you know, like, where do I go to talk fly fishing? Well, we, we host a, a live stream every Thursday called Thursday Night Live Fly Time. And that is the most epic group of humans that I've ever met. And, you know, we get hundred and some people tuning in every Thursday to watch and hang out and talk. We tie flies, we talk fly fishing, and they're just, they're authentic. Nobody's trying to peacock. And because, again, we just don't accept it in the group. It's like you just, you know what I mean? Like the group kind of manages itself in that vulnerability aspect where hmm. uh, people are allowed to just suck because we suck and we're not perfect. And we really portray that message. Um, so there's a place where I, I, I do it. truly enjoy. Yeah. What, what time do you do that? Is that is that open or is that is that a, a like a group? Like you got to belong to the group to be part of that? No, so um, that's a really interesting thing to talk about because that is that is uh, really been an, uh, a really awesome thing. Was we do it in what we call season, so we're on season five. Mm -hmm. We started at a brewery because um, you know talking about the places to hang out and talk about fly fishing is. I just realized, or I felt that there was no. You know, I'd gone to some fly tying nights, and uh, I just always felt stupid or dumb or I wasn't good enough or, you know, I couldn't actually try because if I wasn't great, I would, I would be uncovered and people would think you can't tie flies. Like, how do you guide? So it was a really interesting atmosphere at most fly tying nights. Um, there was an arrogance there. And so what I wanted to do was create a fly tying night at a brewery in a very, you know, neutral space. And, uh, everyone's welcome like and so what we did is we started this in like 2018 um we'd, we'd drive into a brewery every thursday we would stream it live on facebook at the time and uh tim who i know you've had on the show here before he would tie the flies and i would run the whole production side of it and we had all the material for free it's free 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 everything's free come in whatever then the next year we did it again and then COVID hit and that was kind of halfway through that second season. We're like, Oh my goodness, what do we do? And I was like, I know what we do. We just go home to my basement and set up a little bit of a studio and we still do it, mm -hmm. but we just keep streaming. Right. And so that moment, that's when the show really, really took off cool. and uh, people were just sitting at home, like nothing to do. So yeah, like we've, now we're into the season five and we it's free, like 
you it's not a club it's not an association it's just you tune in on facebook you tune in on youtube mm -hmm. you can hang out you can tie with us we we do sell material kits which make it easier to to tie along but definitely not required um so yeah it's it's not a it's not a closed group it's not a zoom call where you need the password um it's just wide open and it's just attracted such an incredible group of of humans and truly like that awesome. that that is a really fun place to hang out and talk fly fishing. Well, that's a pretty darn good answer. Probably one of the best I've ever had. I love it. Um, let's talk sports. So um, being, you know, not far from Calgary, I, I assume, and of course you played with the organization. Is it flames for you? Is it, is it football? Is it when you're cheering for your team, you know, do you have one and, and who is it? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to admit the, I do love the flames. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I, when I finished playing hockey, I didn't watch hockey. Go to, I was just like straight out of it. I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, and then I slowly was like, yeah, you know, kind of come back. Um, and then I actually came back and then I actually took on a, uh, head coaching job in in olds and I coached there for seven years. Cool. So I really got back into it again. And I was like, Oh, man, I'm, I'm screwed. I'm, I'm back in again. I thought I was out. Uh, but in that was, I had to watch a lot of hockey cause I was learning from watching, uh, you know, NHL. Mm -hmm. And then I was watching a lot of hockey at a lower level scouting kids. And so I just was like fully back into hockey watching and becoming a fan again. And then, uh, I, I mean, I love the flames. I love, you know, love them or hate them or good or bad or whatever. You know, I I get it, and I just love watching. I do. I love watching uh, the Flames play. Cool. I I love watching junior hockey, and and you know why is they make mistakes. It's like, it, yeah. it, you know, back when the trap was really big, and it's like, man, I watched the NHL, and nobody made a mistake. It's like, where's the breakaway? It's not, <laughs> it's so it's boring. Not, it's not gonna yeah. happen, right? You know, yeah. at, at any level in junior, someone's gonna fall, someone's gonna get taken out, something's gonna happen, and there's gonna be a three yeah. on one or a two on Big one. Or, yeah, yeah I, I love that. I because it's in the mistakes yeah. for me is where I find it exciting. But yeah, yeah something big happens. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Something I like to ask is. Why do you do this? And I think you kind of have already answered this, but to be specific, like what's what does fly fishing do for Dana? Like um, you mentioned it kind of just as a, sounds like a reset for you, kind of like just forget about the world and focus on the water. But in your words, what, what do you think it does for you? I truly, that that's a, it's an evolving answer. Um, and I think to answer that question today, I would say it's it it's the people for me, to be honest. And I know it sounds so strange to the river being such a, a solemn place away from everybody, but I just love the people that that I've met on this journey. I love the people that I'm meeting on this journey. I love watching people um, catch fish. I love watching people experience the river i love watching the river change people hmm. um i it's it's it so 
kind of adding in the climbing stuff is like a lot of people climb, a lot of people fish by themselves and that's fine. And, you know, I do once in a while too. And a lot of people climb by themselves and, and I'm a little nervous to do that. But what I, what I've realized is that the reason I want to go fishing with somebody is because I don't think joy exists if, if it can't be shared. And I know I, and I, there's a lot of trains of thoughts with that, but for me, it's like, if I can take you to the river and share this best place of my life with you, I, I, it really fills my cup. Whoa, I like, I like, that. So I, I would, yeah, I would have to say in a very uh, weird answer, but it's, it's the people. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think that's true for a lot of people, but we may or may not realize it, you know, um, did so i know you got had a minor in psychology and you got this floating couch as you call it in your uh yeah i think it's a hide uh, are you fishing out of a hide yeah, yeah 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 i thought i saw you you were sponsored with those guys um d- d- does that psychology that you took ever come into play on the river when you're like okay um i think i know where this guy's going or this gal's going or are you are you pretty good at reading people when they get in your boat? Um, well, let's just say, I think to be in this industry longer than three years, you have to be able to read people. Um, and not, not in a, and something we actually teach in our guide schools, we have a whole course on, um, on personality tests and not that we're going to teach somebody to, you know, be a guide in six days and not that we're going to teach somebody to be a psychological analyst in, in, in the three hour, um, uh, module that we go through. But the, the idea is to just kind of pique the interest of students, because I, I truly believe <clears throat> that you've got a short window of time to figure out the personality of the people getting into your boat. Um, so why that's important is because, you know, and, and, and how we teach it, there's uh, orange, blue, yellow, and green people. And they all have their, you know, different, um, what would you call it, attributes to them. But mm-hmm. it's like, so take, take a person that is very, what we'd call yellow. It's like they need instruction by the degree and the inch. So they're like, you know how I could say, hey, Mark, you see that up there, that rock? Just cast a little closer to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, your personality, you'd probably be like, cool, I'm going to, yeah, you do it. You hit it, right? So but so you take somebody else who we call a yellow person, and they're very detail-orientated. They need, they need the instructions that are precise and, like, really precise. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, uh, whatever, cast up there. And they're like, <laughs> on a thir- 30 degree or 31 degrees? Well, I don't know what that really, you can't tell, but if I say, well, show me 31 degrees and then show me 30 and you're like, okay, well 30. So, but they, they need this instruction. But what happens is some guides get so frustrated with somebody who doesn't learn as they learn. And then they're like, come on, Mark, like figure it out. You're so stupid. I've told you to do this 42 times. And and you're like, "All, all you need is a different way of being told. Right. Right. And so as you connect quickly and you understand the psychology or the personality of, of your, of your people, Mm -hmm. I can say, okay, this guy's going to need a lot of instruction today. 
and precise instruction. And then as I give it to him, he's, he's killing it. He's nailing it. Cause that's what he needed. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I negate that part of being a guide or just say, Oh yeah, man, bro, I'm a fishy dude, bro. Come out here and slam some stonies against the bank, bro. <laughs> and that, and, and that guy, that guy can't perform. Right. I'm like, Oh bro, my guy sucks all day, bro. It's like, no, no, no. We have to adapt to them. We have to change our thinking. We have to change our teaching. Um, and so full circle, it's, it's super important to, be able to understand instead of like, you know, assess your people, but it's like, it's, it's important to understand how they need to be taught yeah. and to figure it out quickly. I, I know a lot of yellows, but I laughed when he, that reminded me of letter Kenny when you're doing. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey bro, slap the stonies on the bank. <laughs> Crush a couple of sandos. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Or, and you know, that's another thing. It's like, I tell people every day, I'm like, they're like, you have every right to turn around to me and say, bro, I don't understand your lingo. I said, because the, I might just say something like hit that seam. And then you're like, what is the seam? Right. Cause right. you know, we see it every day or we hear it. Like, it's just kind of the way we speak. And it's like, you gotta be careful. And I've had people turn around because I want to give them permission to say, don't feel stupid yeah. and ask me anything. If you don't understand what I'm saying, turn around and say, Hey, ding dong, tell me in a different way, because the quicker we connect, the, the better the fishing chances are. Right. Yeah. And there, there is a guide speak. I'd almost call it right. I mean, and you know, you, yeah. you've heard it. You've, you go in any fly shop, you usually hear a little bit of it. But um, not everybody speaks that language either. Like you said, that's a good point. And that, but that's that's the no, whole thing. and I meet them where they're at, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's you gotta meet them where they're at. But but even that guide speak at like shows and shops and streets and whatever, I, it's it's inflated. Like people people do it to I. There's guide speak, like, you know, and we do it on the river, like to each other. We'll have hand signals and like, you know, two drives up top, down low. Like, we're not trying to be cool. We're just communicating with each other to like, yeah. you know, get a message. But like, I've heard some people talk and I'm like, I I don't like, I really don't understand what you're, you know, I go down to Montana and it's like super thick and it's like, Dude, just tell me where you nymphy nine feet or eight feet. Like proud to the bottom up six or down the sevens, five nines. It's like cause cause I just it. it just gets some attention, right? It's like a t shirt that says I'm a guide. Like Oh man, I, but, yeah, I you're see right. you doing it's, a video on that. Have you done one on that? Yeah. That would be good. No, I Yeah. Uh, I hear it. I hear you. I love it. What's the best job you've ever had? Are you doing it now? Or is it something you've done in the past? Yeah doing it now no uh, i loved ho like hockey was a great job uh but i don't like it's it's <laughs> i don't i don't know if i've ever had a job uh i <laughs> don't consider this a job yeah um i didn't consider hockey a job and but I, I love what i'm doing you know with creating films and content uh for fly fishing and stuff um just being creative getting to like come up with ideas and and all that side, the other side of when I'm not guiding mm -hmm. and then just the guiding part and 
the guys like my guides and just just freaking love those guys like they just they're yeah like love the group love the team we got um yeah the whole thing is just the best you know if it had to be a job this is definitely the best this is it i think that's true of a lot of people that are living their best lives is it i mean by definition you're getting paid to do it so it is work but you don't think of it as work you know like i i know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm in that boat right right with you it's like i worked in radio for years and it was like you know what i didn't feel like i was working then i was just i mean you do at certain times but you enjoy it and making wine yeah same thing it's just like i i go i don't i'm happy when that alarm goes off you know it's uh yeah especially if i'm going fishing (laughs) no yeah yeah, right no it's all good no it's it's a it's a you know i and we talk social media i know it's it's like 10 percent of someone's life and it's um it's perfection if you want to you curate it to however you want and a lot of people reach out and say how did you get to this point and i'm like what what point like what what deception am i doing for you to think i'm at some sort of a point no because i want to know because it because it truly just just want to be like it's like it are are paying the bills a struggle yeah oftentimes like it's it, you're not living here in um lavish luxury mm-hmm. but what i do have is i have i have time in the off season because i get to work in you know super hard in the in the season and in choosing kind of these other you know like filming and photography and stuff it's like you know getting to go spend drive my kids to school um go take them for lunch during the day um spent like you you get this value of freedom that i think is so overlooked where people just think of a financial status mm-hmm. and i and i've and i hear people on my boat all the time they don't have time they have money they don't have time and it's like but you can't buy time you can't get it back it's gone and it's gone but these these you know this one guy is like super loaded and I think it was like 18 years before he'd taken his like for his last fishing trip and he's like man i can't believe i don't do this more i'm just so busy and i'm like and then what you die and then it's over like then what do you do with your money right yeah. like yeah, so it's just you know it's just the reality is like is it financially epic no is you know are we getting by yes do i have some free time where i can go do things with with the people I love a hundred percent and it's not valued enough in our society right now. You know what? Don't take this the wrong way, but when, when I talk to you, you don't seem like a social media guy. Like you don't. And when I look at your channel, it's very good. And I, I think it's because it's real. It's authentic. There's, you're not trying to do anything. You're just, it's just like a running commentary or it's just a day in the life. And I, uh, I, I think that, that that probably is what a lot of people don't understand when it comes to especially social media because there's so much stuff that's not authentic and uh, it's pretty easy to tell yeah, what yeah. it is and what it isn't, you know? Well, and the, the idea there is like, I you know, I like to, um, you know, learn stuff and, you, and you, you hear a podcast or you read an article or whatever and then I take the the findings or the idea of a subject of something somebody you know struck a chord with me and then I like to stir conversation or write about it and be like wow I had I had a thought this morning and Mm -hmm. you know in that whole like 
you know, f- philosophy was one of my other minors in, in college. And I just like to think deeper, but you know, to be, to be honest, it's like, I'm not trying to be anyone on social media. I'm, I'm literally just talking and it's like my diary. And if people, yeah. Yeah. you know, I've had people in the, t- in the past, like completely attack me about it and just go nuts on it. And it's like, you know, I don't do it for you. So if you, you don't, you don't have to be here. Yeah. Uh, if there's four people here, if there's nobody, it's just me just writing my thoughts and taking photos and it inspires me to go do more because I got a place to put something and that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is. I, hmm. um, and, and it's easy to live in that when you're not building an avatar and trying to maintain <laughs> or the energy to maintain the avatar of something else. It's yeah. Do you, you do true. a lot of reading? Uh, I don't, so I don't read books, I guess, per se. I've, what I'll probably do is like get a book or an audio book. Cause like when I'm at the gym, is when I like to, uh, do that. So I don't really yep. sit there with an open book, but I do a lot of, um, yeah, I guess it's just an, an informal way of reading with like mm-hmm. articles or, you know, listening to podcasts or li- like just a lot of different people motivate me or inspire me and just like listening to their YouTube channels. Um, so, yeah, it's, I guess it's not really reading, but it's learning. I love learning. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's going, uh, what's going on in the podcast these days? Have you got anybody lined up that's coming on or um, tell us, tell us about your your favorite show so far, uh, you know, was there a certain guest that really struck a chord with you? Um, tell us a little bit about uh, Fly Fishing Saves Lives. Yeah, there's, you know, I'm not, I just don't want to uh, bring up names of people that just in case they don't want to do it, but there, you know, there's about 10 people that are sitting there waiting to, uh, it kind of goes that people reach out and they really want to do it and then they, Cause they just, they just, they want to get it off their chest and they want to open up about it. Um, and then I tend to just leave them for a couple of weeks just to see, you know, if, if it was like a bit of a, uh, a moment of wanting to do it. And then usually it fades off. Um, you know, we'll reach out and we'll chat a bit more. Um, so yeah, there's, there's people, you know, it's probably been a year since the last one and just, you know, so many people have bailed like a day before and I, I, I'm, I'm not against Like, It's just, I get it. I get it where they kind of get like, Oh, I actually really don't want to share this. I've had people reach out that want to share, but they're not ready yet. And yep. so they're just letting me know that they're really thinking about it. But your, uh, your content's my, pretty heavy though, right? Like, like, I mean, you're not just having a casual, heavy. A casual conversation. So I, I would imagine, like, I'll I'll ask ten people to come on, eight will get back, four will say yes, yeah, three will say no. You know, it's it, whatever. Yep. You meet them where they're at. It's the same old story. But um, when I would imagine in the format that you're doing, it's harder to get you know people. Yeah, and I and I never wanted to chase I like as far as like numbers and how the podcast grows. I really have no goals or I don't care. Like to to be truly honest, it's like, 
Um, but I know that there's stories out there that that need to be told because that one story is going to motivate and inspire and it's going to free a whole bunch of people. Uh, and at the end of the day, like I said, if, if I can help two people, cause I'm one and I do want to have a bit of a ripple effect. So if there's two people out there that feel change from even seven episodes, I, I've won. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So I, as far as like a favorite episode, I, they're just all different and unique. And I really enjoyed the one where Quinn Styles was on there. Just, yeah. just cause I think we had a lot of fun conversation and, you know, I mean, him have thought of doing more, uh, we, we chat a lot and we have very deep philosophical conversations where we challenge each other. Uh, we challenge each other. Like it, it's, it's fun to have a friend like that where you can, um, say I don't agree with you and then you can say why and they're not offended but then they challenge you back and then yeah you know you're just growing your mindset and uh so that that one was really fun and we could have went on for for hours and hours um but yeah no they've all just been you know very the more authentic they are the the more fun I have with them yeah yeah I could see that um Paint us a picture of your perfect day. So I assume it's on the bow, but um, maybe not. Walk us through your dream day, like a fly fishing, Dana. So if you're heading out there, who you hanging out with, um, just paint us a little picture of what your dream day would look like. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to – I won't use a a name. I'll use (laughs) – just because there's – there's a lot of different people that could be a part of this perfect day. And I, uh, I, I truly mean that I, I love the river. So, um, I love getting up early before, before the sun, um, stonefly season on the bow is, is pretty epic. Uh, when you get to the boat ramp and you're, and you kind of got the moon out still and it's pretty dark and you can't see the river. You can hear the river and you can smell the river. Um, you know, you're excited. You kind of got to wait till you get a little bit of, of that light coming up. But then you you get that fog and the mist on the river. And it's just like the, the sun sets, uh, the sun rises on the river. Uh, if you could have your perfect day being uh, one of each, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm probably rowing my boat for somebody uh you know there's a couple really close friends that i would that i would cherish to have out there but even even having said that like i've had perfect days with clients and extremely memorable days so maybe i'll just tell a little story kind of outside of my perfect day but this was a perfect day and i always thought getting into guiding i would be taking and I do, but, uh, oh, hey, guess what, Mark, you want a guide? You're going to be taking a lot of new people fishing and you're going to be teaching a lot of new people how to fish. And what I, what I didn't know is that I would be taking a lot of people for their last day of fishing. And that, that hits you different. Um, when, when in this one particular day I'm thinking of is, uh, these two guys, they booked the trip. One one guy was a doctor, 
and uh, the other guy was his best friend. They they grew up together. They were probably, you know, 50, 50 in, in their 50s, 60, maybe not, maybe 50 to 60. Um, and the one guy, I think they were both from Vancouver area. And the doctor was like, you know, he fished. He'd like to fish, but his buddy was like hardcore fly fisherman, and he had never fished the boat. Um, he was also uh, dying of uh, cancer, and he probably had oh, a couple, three weeks left. Um, you know, it was it was getting close, and yeah, and the guy booked the trip, and he he told me about the situation and said if things you know, get worse. We, we may not be able to go. And I said, you know what, you just let me know. And, uh, so we get on the boat and the gentleman that had cancer, it's that day I was just talking about, it was a stonefly float. It was super early, probably like four 30 on the river and the sun is changing the sky a little. And it's like fog all across the river. And I had the Spotify playlist of fly fishing music playing. And we just pull out from the boat ramp. And this guy was like, he was so full of life. I, ironic, but he was like, everything was magical to him. The like, he's like, smell the river, feel the, like just, he was just so heightened with all of his senses. And it was like this perspective change for me where uh, it could have just been another day on the river. And he, and we get, we pull out and he turns around and he's like, wow, the music, the the music the the fog on the river he's like you could not have set a better scene for this day and it just made me really happy to know that the experience that i was curating for this for these two guys was was perfect and the river was and the river played a part of it and it was perfect and everything was just great and the fishing that day was great and it was just this I didn't want the day to end because I was like, this is, this is it. This is this guy's last fishing trip. And they had moments together on the river's edge where they were, you know, hugging each other and, and, uh, it was very mm. emotional. Um, but it was like, it was like the last best day for, for that gentleman. And that wow. I, I, that, that memory of that day is like, I can taste the air. I like, the whole entire every fish we caught i can remember every single one down the river uh it was just such a it was such a special day that's uh, that's pretty good hmm. yeah I, it's not something it's fun i i have had another guy tell me something similar and it, i just kind of it's not usually what you think of when you think about heading out there you know it's somebody's first time or they're doing it all the time and yeah, yeah that sounds like a pretty special moment cool Love it. And that's, that's what good guiding is, right? You were able to facilitate that with no effort. Yeah. You, you know, I meet, meet no them effort, where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's just natural. I love it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is, is there anything we haven't covered that, uh, we should know about, uh, what, uh, Dana Lattery is up to lately? Like, I mean, what's going on with your, your video productions or are you, are you, uh, working on any projects over the winter uh so no we're we're trying to get back to oman um we tried to get back this year to do because we did our film nine foot rod for in the 2019 if4 um which is on youtube you can go watch that on youtube now we just put it up the other day 
So we're, we're planning a, a go back and uh, do kind of a part two, but uh, it's just very strict over there and just trying to figure out the vaccination doodah and whatnot. So hopefully, hopefully October next year, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're really, yeah, COVID just kind of changed the landscape of, of ideas and thoughts and um, yeah, so we, we've done some film projects for Travel Alberta around here. So that's something we're working on and probably need uh, a little bit of time in the spring to finish uh, filming those projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably going to do another Father's Day film this, this year. Uh, right on. Love doing those little shorts that i've done in the past uh, i did one of tim and rand and and uh his dad a couple yeah. years ago that was fun tim's such an awesome dude yeah he is super super awesome uh so blessed to have that guy in my life and yeah you know it's like we we kind of came into each other's life at the right time where we both needed each other and it's just been an incredible friendship and everything moving forward yeah uh, we're referring to uh, Tim and Ren. If you go back in our back catalog, we had Tim on and his his young daughter. Uh, boy, she's been fly fishing since she could even probably before she could walk. <laughs> oh yeah, we we carried her <laughs> first time we went out together. Uh, he's like, "Do you mind if I bring my daughter?" And I was like, I don't, "Yeah, whatever." And he's like, "I don't think she was like a year and a half, and like just couldn't walk or anything." So he had her in his backpack, and we hiked into this river and. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty funny and she got tired near the end of the day. And so we were basically just like later on the shore. And then when we moved down the river, we'd just like pick her up by her life jacket and walk down later in the shore. She just like completely starfished on her back past out. <laughs> like, but she was there. She was a trooper and she's, yeah, she's, she's pretty addicted to it now. When you started guiding, how long did it take you to at the end of a day not be absolutely just done like i don't know how you get like you said sun up to sundown if you got a sun up to sundown kind of day and you're out there and that wind can kick up a lot as we know that must you know it it takes some stamina to build up to a level where it's like you're 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 just kind of used to it i would imagine yeah so i would never guide a sun up to sundown um it's it's actually one topic to talk about because when I started guiding, it was like this, uh, you know, this badge of honor to be the last guy off the river. Uh, and so you tried to give yourself those 12, 14 hour days and, um, you know, be, be that guy that, Oh, this guy's going to work so hard for you. And he's going to da da da. Uh, what I realized is that you couldn't keep it up. Uh, it wasn't sustainable. And then what happened was I was starting to really affect, tomorrow's client so you know uh, i've got you today and uh i'm gonna like just we're just gonna go nuts and then i'm gassed and tomorrow my person gets half of me right and so as i matured or so i I think i matured in in that Mm -hmm. i started to realize even more so than me is people couldn't fish that long and they were gassed and then realizing and to what we say now is like an eight to 10 hour day, like pick up to drop off. People can't even do that when you're, when you're 
fishing all day. The, 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 like, I mean, that's that's a lot of fishing, and they're standing and they're fishing, and it's like, yeah, you know, some people say they just oh, run me fourteen hours, and I'm like, well, like, you know, what we can do is we can get our work done in that eight hours. Like, we really can if if oh, yeah. if that's- I'm doing my job right, we can get what we need to get accomplished as far as like you getting your fish and you getting your cup filled and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, you don't. So yeah, it just, it just doesn't, uh, you know, there's two factors. It was like, A, I couldn't sustain it and B, my clients weren't, they couldn't fish that long. Yep. Well, they were, they were completely unproductive at one point And it's like, what are, what are we doing out here? <laughs> so now, so now I'm just very adamant about the time of water and, yeah. When people book trips, I'm like, it's eight to 10 hours. Yeah, we don't have a stopwatch, but but yeah, you've got to take care of yourself. You have to, because to make any kind of a living at it, you've got to go six, seven days a week. Um, you can't go two days a week and then, you know, hope to, well, this is a good job. You've yeah. got to be able to go. So you got to take care of yourself. And then that's getting systems in place. That's getting, you know, like you it's all the stuff we teach at guide school is like, you can't just be rando man out there. Like your systems, like what do you do every single day to take care of yourself? You can't, you know, and I I go to Montana and those guys are out drinking every night. I'm like, how do you function? Like I, I can't imagine some, like I'll go weeks without even having a beer. Cause I'm like, I'm so tired. I can't even function anymore. And you know, down in Montana, they're all ponying up at the bar drinking every night. I'm just like, maybe i'm just not cut from that same cloth but well that's yeah there's a stamina that's what i meant by that question though because i know i know how i feel after a solid 10 hour day in the wind and you're you know you're just about done by the end of it i always think guides probably have better you know staying power because it's what you're doing a lot but you know what my pet peeve is and, and i'm just talking recreationally i'll be like hey uh, going out with a buddy, never been fly fishing before. Um, okay. So we go to this lake, you know, you drive an hour, two hours to get in. And then he's like, Oh, by the way, I got to be home by two. And I'm just like, yeah, no, there's, uh, there's, two, uh, <laughs> uh, excuse me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is my, Oh, that is, peeve. Oh, yeah. Two, two. I double check though. If buddies are, go- we're going fishing and it doesn't mean we're going to be out till midnight, but I'm like, no plans tonight. I don't have plans. You don't have plans. We do like, and that doesn't, you know, but it's like, what if we get into something awesome and it's like, yeah. you know, or we get hiking or walking and it's like, I, I don't want plans because I, <clears throat> and it's like, I just want to go and be, and if we're there till midnight, we're there. So be it. Right. But like, yeah, I, I the funny, cause you have a buddy do that. I've had clients do that to me where I remember this, these one dudes that got a it's father's day. They it was the actual Father's Day, and they got trip given from their wives, and uh, and it was absolutely fishing incredible. Like I bet you we had a dozen fish, and we weren't even an hour into it, which is which is awesome. And uh, it was probably eleven o'clock, ten o'clock, and we were like way at the top of the river, and we had a long ways to go. And the guy said something to his buddy. He's like, "Oh man, nobody's gonna believe us at the barbecue today." Like we're great fishermen. And I was like, barbecue today. Like wasn't barbecue tonight. And he's like, yeah, Father's Day barbecue. I'm like, 
where's his what what time is his barbecue at he's like oh it's at two o'clock don't worry we got lots of time i'm like dude, dude we got 20 kilometers of river left and it's 11 o'clock and i'm like and then we've got a 45 minute drive back to calgary oh, i was like well that's the end of the day and i rode and i rode and i rode and i rode and they were late for it but i was like <laughs> and, and it taught me a lesson where now I ask people, do you have to be back for something? Cause oh, man. That, <laughs> never doing that again. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, I've had that happen a few times and it's usually somebody that doesn't fish a lot. Cause they don't, it's like when you go play around a golf, you know, you know roughly how long it's going to take, or you maybe just play nine. Yeah. You're four nine. hours. Yeah. But I'm not playing two holes and then going, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I know, I know. Yeah. Anyway, that is, yeah, that's hilarious. That's frustrating. Where are we at right now in your mind? And this is kind of a philosophical question, but you're the perfect guy to ask this. As a group, fly fishers, like, where are we at? Are we in a pretty good place in your mind when you kind of look back over the years, or could things be better? Um, I don't, like, I respectfully don't think I have enough time in in the uh you know like i'm not 40 years coming into the same back in the 80s when i was here and i and i and i and i preface that because i respect the people that do and the changes that they've seen i think uh i think our industry has some really big flaws um the first one is the ego and that mm -hmm runs right to the top of whatever this industry is. Um, there's a lot of hate in our industry and it's sad to me where the, it's the ego where people feel um, they derive their power from some mythical quote unquote success of fly fishing. And I, I probably think this way because when I played hockey and I acted tough or acted good or acted whatever, um, there was a 200 foot sheet of ice where I'd, I prove yourself, Dana, like, yeah, you know what I mean? And so I think one of the, I think we're hmm, something I feel strongly about I'm trying to say it in a good way. Um, I, I just think it's sad that people hide on the riverbanks and then um, they're, they're kind of warriors in the industry. Um, yeah, it just, it just, I think there needs to be some, some checks and balances in, in some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think some people are in the industry. Yeah, they're not like we got to go back to the people. We got to go back to you know because the whole thing is like, well, let's get more people into fly fishing, right? And let's become an inclusive mm -hmm. for everybody. And but that that's not really. There's just a lot of things that have have gone wrong in the the money, the wealth, the the social media. The, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, and, and I think social media is great. I love social media. But it like we talked about before, is like you can hide behind a lot of stuff or people, or it's like this. Somebody's out there trying to get a sweet slow motion eat with, for social media, and they're not out there fishing to fish. <laughs> and 
you, and and then something happens and they don't get it because you know your boat drifted by and it's like what are you doing out there like what are we doing out there and i think you just need to have a refocus on like why are you out there why are, like if you could put your phone away and your camera away would you go to the river that's a great right? that's a great question I suspect the answer you know, is yes for most people, but I know what you mean. It's like if you didn't record it, did it actually happen? Yeah, and and I say that coming from uh, a job, you know, to say jobs or one of my jobs is like capturing those moments, like photos and video and stuff like that. So it's like I, you know, I I reluctantly say it because I feel so. Uh, almost hypocritical i guess right mm -hmm. um but yeah like uh a buddy of mine at fish pond we were talking about this uh, a month ago where you know he his photographer at fish pond and he takes photos and he's got to go out and he's got to go to the river to get photos of product and all this stuff and he's just like i just asked myself like the the burnout of that is real but it, but but it's he's doing it for a job. I'm doing it for a job. But everyone else is just like, I gotta get this on on my phone. If I don't get this on my phone and bring it back, and and I get it. Like there's capturing those moments because that's how you'll remember them is to see them on your on your phone. But mm -hmm. yeah, could could you go fishing if you left your phone? <laughs> you know, like I I ask myself this too because I get caught up in it and I'm. And I'm not standing on a pulpit yelling at people below me. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm saying to myself, like, what, what are you doing today, Dana? What are you like, you know, are you just going to enjoy the day? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think, I think as we've evolved in technology wise, um, I think we're, we're in an okay place, but I think the ego, the social media, um, the um now there's this facebook group where everybody just goes on there and they say oh, i went to the bow and didn't catch anything what should i use right and, and i'm not opposed to helping people love it love it like i pull over on the river lots of times and help people but it's like where where have we where have we gone wrong where we 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 want the destination we want the reward we want the photo of the big brown trout we want all of this stuff without putting in any time, any, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's yeah, just like, you just, we just, yeah, we want the t-shirt. Everybody's. Yep. I, I and, find, and, and there's, there's these conflicting dualities for me in fly fishing because it's like, you want that success. You want to show people that success, but the minute you show them, you're showing them, you're saying, Hey, go there, do this. You know, it's yeah. like whether it's spot yeah. burning or holding the fish out of the water too long or, um, look, we're not, I actually get a kick out of people that say they're not perfect. Look, here's where I screwed up. Cause people, you know, haters jump on there. You can get some uh, pretty negative, uh, form, oh, yeah. forms in a hurry. Yeah. And I have no time for that, but no, it happens all the time. And it's, and that's, that's the struggle, right? Like we want more people on the water, but guess what? There's more people on the water, which, which, you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we say we want it, but at the end of the day, it's nice to have our space too. So there's, there's, there's all these weird mindsets I find in fly fishing. But it's, it's, it's financially driven though, because what, what do we want more people on the water for? Well, more people are going to care about the fish. Exactly. 
Yeah. Is that is that is that true, or are more people going to be buying fly rods and waders and boots? Like uh, I'd say both. And, I say both. Yeah, I don't know. And I and I know it's this, this dichotomy of yeah, oh, just yeah, like I. It's the merit based. No, like people are getting positions in influencer status, and they're this. It's like there's no merit there. It's yeah, yeah. I'll go down this path, but at the end of the day, it's like we're we're ruining. I, get, I don't know if you you can't even call it a sport, but it's just like it's like go back to the idea of like why do you fly fish? Like why do you go to the river? And can you go to the river if you didn't have any like hashtag I'm a pro staff hashtag I'm a sponsor bro? It's like just you no know, because it's a learn and I and I was there. And I went through that journey and it's like, oh man, everybody needs to notice me and everyone needs to be a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. And then when you, when you get over that, it's like this, this true mythical world that you enter where it's like, but yeah, it's, I, uh, I know, we're inviting and mean. we're, it's like, who cares? Right. And even though, yeah. And there's a lot of irony in what we're talking about. And I get it. Like I've had people say to me, you know, how can you mention that lake or how can you say, and I, but I don't talk about tiny little lakes usually that are secrets. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. like a big lake that you you've got lots of room to move, and people. Yeah, like we say the Bow River, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I'm spot. I'm you know I'm telling you Bow River. Well, cool. So people go there and they can't catch fish, and then it's like, but there's like this guy's making YouTube videos because he knows he's gonna get likes. He knows he's gonna get subscribers, which he knows is gonna monetize. But he's literally throwing some really sacred names out and bull trout spawning areas where he's like, this is the spot and this is how you get, that's his title. And it's like, yeah. for what? For 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 some sort of cheap thrill on, on YouTube? And yeah, and I know there's a lot of irony in like, you know, we have podcasts, we're promoting fishing and we're doing yeah. this and other thing, you know, but like, yeah, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I, so we're in a good place. The balance is, I think, tipping to a dangerous place and, um, it's not going to be fixed with people hating people because this is what it's caused by. Um, yeah, yeah there's some, yeah. there's some things that need to work themselves out. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair comment. I think a lot of people would totally, uh, agree with what you're saying. I love what you're up to, man, with the, with the podcast, uh, Fly Fishing Saves Lives. Check it out. First cast, last pass. Um, where where do we, so say we want to hit the bow and, and book one of these legendary trips with you coming up. Um, float on the old couch. Where do we go? How do we find <laughs> you? Yeah, so our website is uh, pretty simple. It's just flyfishingbowriver.com. Um, yeah, if you want to uh, book a trip, but by all means, don't think that's, uh, what you have to do to, to hang out with us. Like I said, Thursday night live every Thursday, 7 PM, uh, on our YouTube channel or Facebook. Uh, yeah. Or, or like, uh, you know, Mark shouted out my Instagram there. Like just reach out. Like it's, I, I know, uh, people pay to hang out with us on a drift boat and it's a called a guide and it's a guided trip and stuff and but I, I do just want to promote the 
yeah, if people need to talk or if anything we've talked about um, resonates and you just want to reach out, like that's a, like think there first. And, and, and I'm being honest about that. It's like, just, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we need to be accessible and, and, and open. And if you want to come fishing with us in the summer, uh, we'd absolutely love to have the opportunity to get you on the boat and, and show you the, the beautiful place that we call home. Um, yeah. And then that would be through our website there. Good stuff, my friend. Appreciate it. Hopefully we can hit the water one of these days. Uh, if you're out my way or uh, I'm out your way and we can, uh, chase a few fins. Yeah. Let, let us know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you on the couch. <laughs> Sounds like a good spot. Dana Lattery <laughs> on the show. Thanks again. And, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, this time around on the fly fishing 97 podcast. We will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, powered by theflycrate.com, your source for all things fly fishing. Wait for it films featuring fly fishing videos and camera related content, custom music from Damian Anderson, and by brokentippet.com.